Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name is David Reed, and joining me as ever is Mr. Marek Larwood. Hello, Marek. Hello, I just realised I was wearing my sunglasses and my T-shirt, and I thought... I thought, well, we're not going to need those again this year. No, it's over, isn't it? Done. No more sun. I feel a bit down in the dumps. Oh, really? Why? Just sort of... Maybe it's a changing of the seasons. Just low. I get seasonally affected, as they call it. When it's a gloomy day, I'm in a bad mood for seemingly no reason. And go, hang on a second. It happens a lot. Maybe you need to smoke some reefer, man. Smoke the reefer! Chillax. Yeah, chillax, man! (laughs) That's good advice. Have you thought about being a counsellor? Uh, well, no. I, I was just saying. I said to you earlier. On the, I normally walk from my. I get the train from. I walk to the tube station and get the tube to near your house and walk here. Yeah. There are a lot of mental people out today. A disturbing amount of mental. As in, two out of every three people looked as though they would murder you. Camden's getting a bit stranger. Um, I noticed a guy. Um, he was doing that thing that I haven't seen uh, since, I don't think since the 80s. It only seems to be in American films. Get a blaster. I want to get a blaster. <laughs> no, although that's another story. But he was, when uh, cars were stopping at the lights outside my flat, he was approaching them with a squeegee and, um, and a oh, thing. Oh, I've seen that. And trying to do their windscreens for money. But he didn't have any water. Oh, no. And the next, uh, that same afternoon, I just saw him on a bench with a big can of Scrumpy Jack. So he's just a bloke who I think has bought those two things, or stolen them, or bought them from the pound shop. But it's just theatre. He didn't have any water to actually clean windscreens with. It was just a sort of creative begging. No one wants that, someone cleaning a windscreen with those. But at least it shows initiative if you've got no money. I mean... But it, there's been a sort of air of desperation in this area growing recently in the last few years. In general, I mean, it's possible. It's impossible for anyone to buy a house unless you're rich already. Yeah. I'm not going to start moaning about that again. No, but it's true. Person. I mean, you know, London's pricing everyone but the top out and putting enormous pressure upon the bottom. But there you go. Uh, we're not here to talk about the social economic difficulties of living in modern day that Britain. It would be a good, a good, good podcast. It would though, be quite it? possibly a better one. People in history, in the history, which will go, we're referring back to the October 2017 edition, or September, sorry, edition of Film Fandango. Well, I'm just doing a footnote. I'm reading out what a footnote would be. There's nothing interesting in footnotes. <laughs> no one ever reads footnotes. That's true. Uh, we are here to talk about films. 
Um, but before we do so, we should say we're sponsored by Her Film Project, who are an organisation that help promote diversity in films. So if you'd like to get involved or uh, find out what more about what they do, then go to herfilmproject.com and follow Her Film Project on Twitter for the latest updates. Well, if you're one of the if you're one of the mental one of the two out of the three mental people in Camden, yeah, they would all, they could all apply for this. Probably get. Oh, I don't know. Yes, I mean the mentally ill certainly are a marginalised group, aren't they? Um, but you could argue that everyone is mentally ill to a certain extent. I, I, you could argue it. I think psychiatrists would disagree with you. It's a spectrum, though, isn't it? Yeah, I think yeah, I There's think, definitely yeah. a spectrum. Um, Marek's been to the cinema this week. I went to see a film I was very much looking forward to, which I read a series of five-star reviews saying it's one of the greatest horror films ever. Right. And then a friend said to me, oh... Um, those of their friends had walked out of it because it was so shit and I looked up it up on I looked up on the way cinema yes and it had one of the lowest ever audience approval ratings in America so is it uncomfortable watching for Americans is that well the film is called Mother exclamation mark we don't pronounce exclamation mark Mother it's just Mother or Mother what do you, how, is that how, how you say it how at the box can, office can I have a film for Mother be great if you shout it into their face. A friend of mine was queuing up in the cinema in New York once, and the guy in front of him said, "I like a ticket for Marlon Rauger." I'm sorry, Marlon Rauger. <laughs> and the uh, box office person didn't know what he was talking about. And my friend, who's very English, just leant forward and just goes, "I think the gentleman means Moulin Rouge." He's like, "Yeah, that shit." <laughs> Quite a good film. Yeah, not bad. Um, anyway, I wonder if the exclamation marks just there. So they can tell in reviews, they can look it up and see what's happening. Yeah, it's true. You need a unique search term these yeah. days as a title. Anyway, I'll tell you what happens in the film. So basically, uh, it's, it's written and directed by Darren Aronofsky. Okay, of Black Swan. Famous for Black Swan. Um, it also, uh, he's also directed Pi as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, Requiem for a Dream. I still haven't is... seen Requiem for a Dream, which I'm told is the best one. I enjoyed Pi. I thought Pi was alright I really disliked Requiem for a Dream oh really and Black Swan I only got through half of it and my DVD was scratched and I couldn't bother to watch it Black Swan for me felt like um, uh, a pretty trad sports movie dressed up as an art house film that people thought was amazing and it really wasn't it was very skin deep mm. <laughs> you should have had a dis- uh, exclamation uh, a question mark after that Black Swan Black Swan <laughs> That'd be quite good if that was his little, little um, thing to Punctuation have. Punctuation yeah. for it. A semicolon. Mother colon. Wow, the mother colon. Um, I saw a dog shit on the road, literally. I thought that must be human, it was so big. I reckon that came from the mother colon. Eight Marricks. Eight Marricks. <laughs> um, anyway, so here we go. Mother, what happens in it? Well, Jennifer Lawrence is in a house, a strange octagonal house... Uh, and she is married to uh, Javier Bardem, who is a frustrated writer who is unable to write. She has just redecorated the house after it was burnt down in a fire. Right. Then, out of nowhere, Ed Harris, who's called Man, arrives, and he just starts to stay in the house. And then Michelle Pfeiffer, his wife, arrives, and she's... St- st- starts to sort of find herself in the house 
then everything goes slightly mental and more and more mental and more and more mental. Okay. I suppose... Psychological horror, right? It's not really a horror. Uh. People who've... I read about it and I thought, well, this must be... It is... It feels like it's a film that has two halves. It starts off with this weird psychological horror, then turns into some sort of metaphor for something. And whether she or the house is people are saying are oh, is Mother Earth yeah I've heard that and that said, is a metaphor yeah. for it so she is Earth and is man man coming and destroying I think it's something along those lines right, okay. anyway um, how would I describe this it's the I think the closest best way to describe it is to say imagine a friend a boring friend so not a friend a work colleague you're at work in the office and then there's someone who comes in and they always tell you their dreams yeah um, it's not even it's a bad they come in they tell you a bad dream that makes no sense at all it's not interesting it is uh, t- has totally pointless has no sort of rules or structure to it and is a big pile of bullshit right okay I like this film absolutely awful really and it's so frustrating because Jennifer Lawrence is shot it reminded me of um, Blue is the Warmest Colour the way it's shot because it's basically really in Jennifer Lawrence's face yeah I'm a big fan of Jennifer Lawrence and her face and her face she's a very beautiful person but she can't really sustain it and it's so frustrating for she's a normal person and everyone else in the in the, in the film is mental and ignores her I, try, I was trying to work out a way to describe it so it's, here's this is not a dialogue this isn't Marek's version of how a rough summation of dialogue in the film so uh, Jennifer Lawrence says um, to Javier Bardem oh could I have some milk and Javier Bardem replies oh, um, sausages let's go and get some, some sausages sausages for you and then Jennifer Lawrence will say oh no milk please and Javier Bardem will say oh okay yeah fine I heard you I'm just going to get those sausages for you that's what that's a bit that's li- literally what it's like so if someone's saying something but it's like gaslighting then what like, is it, what's a gaslighting mean? gaslighting is when you uh, purposefully toy with someone in order to make them think they're going mad um, I, yeah well it's not like I, I think the milk and sausages are, it's, I don't think it's it's but it's that frustrating basically asking someone right. something and all the other characters are ignoring her to the point you just think do you know what just piss off just leave the leave the house and it's all it's very claustrophobic because it's all in one house I mean if if Dan Aronofsky's aim was to make a really claustrophobic um, uh, film that makes you feel sort of annoyed and slightly ill at ease he's been successful in that but it's so frustrating it just doesn't make it doesn't make sense because you think oh it's going to be one thing it's a horror and she's almost living uh, her life some sort of dream or some not she's not really alive or she's been mm. you know, it's the afterlife she was spending a lot of the first half of it working out oh is this it is this it what is the mystery here what is a twist that's suddenly going to unlock this and make it interesting but there isn't really that thing that it's not about think. that it turns out it, well I think it starts off about that then turns into something else and I don't know how why people have hailed this as the film of the year. I am it is beyond me. It's got five star reviews and four stars mm. reviews from people, but it, I thought it was, and I'm a big fan of art house films. 
you know, I like films that try and do something different. Are you? Have you in the past been a fan of films that don't follow sort of more traditional linear narratives and sort of like more dreamlike ones where logic breaks and things? Yeah, I know I slagged off it for saying it didn't follow some logic, but did um, you enjoy Mulholland Drive, for instance? Yes, right. I love that, yeah, and that's that's you know. Yeah, I don't mind all that stuff, but this is just. If I, I was watching. Thing is actually. Is it enjoyable? Mm. Is it enjo- if I take away this whole thing and I don't know what mysteries are any of the themes enjoyable or fun to watch or you know or have some or have me held sort of captive in any way as a viewer? No, I mean it's an utter flop. I give it two Marricks. Oh wow! I think Darren Aronofsky is up his own ass. <laughs> I heard that he wrote he wrote it. I read because I went back and I read about it. That apparently wrote it in a sort of five days in a feverish state. He wrote it, so it's almost like someone who has written, who's had a dream. They've written it down, and no one has said, "Look, look, Darren." No one really likes it <laughs> when people tell other people about their dreams because it's always out of context, and it was during the middle of the night, and you're probably a bit ill. Mm. So just write that down on a bit of paper and throw that away, and then write something that someone can empathise does it feel like you're in the throes of a fever dream it's just that is it an anxiety dream is that what it's sort of meant to be yeah it does feel so you know uh, yeah so when you're trying to run and you're running really slowly yeah yeah that when you've got your French exam tomorrow and you haven't studied French for a year when the phone's ringing and you can't answer the phone it's that sort of thing yeah so it's like an anxiety you always yeah that's a good description an anxiety dream and who would want to go to the cinema and watch that I mean reality is an anxiety dream at the moment I mean you go to the cinema to get away from anxiety don't you yeah I thought it was terrible and I really like to hear if anyone thought it was good as well I just think it makes me just doubt when reviewers like Mark Camote gave it four stars and I thought what are you are you watching the same thing are you just Mm. so tuned out of any reality you've watched so many films you cannot I know you you're it's just so warped your sense of what is a good film well luckily our sense of good film is still intact because we don't watch very many films really well it it, it was awful okay well if you've seen Mother sorry if you've seen Mother Mother uh, and you disagree or agree with Marek why not get in touch and let us know go to filmfandango.com and you can get in touch with us I would there. say I enjoyed the film I watched last week which was uh, oh, it's don't you care about the Morgans no did you hear what happened to the Morgans you can't even remember what it's called you're looking at me what, blankly it's, you it's, don't know if I'm right or not it's what happened to the Morgans isn't it no did you hear about the Morgans? Did you hear about the Morgans? <laughs> I've never known a trap. You tra- tried to spring a trap yeah, on me I didn't and you didn't even know if it was right I or misremembered not. it. I can't believe I forgot. <laughs> Did you hear about the Morgans? That is the most... Inc- and that's, that, that also has yeah. a, a, a question mark. And that has a question mark in it. Punctuation in the title. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this could be our new rule... Yeah. If it's, so Oliver films, Oliver Twist has an exclamation mark that's quite good though isn't it yeah it is um, films with blue in them non-musicals non-musicals have punctuation in it are terrible uh, Dude Where's My Car yeah that's another one I better not put a um, 
exclamation mark or a question mark in Bumming Man then the Bumming Man Bumming Man <laughs> the Bumming Man that's quite good well, it, that is quite good actually yeah. I enjoyed did you hear about the Morgans more no yep more than mother you enjoyed watching a <laughs> a twilight of their careers Hugh Grant and uh, Sarah Jessica Parker Rob Gomb more than you enjoyed watching Jennifer Lawrence in a film yes wow wow alright well I'm not going to go see that now I was going to don't okay I won't Here's a letter from K. Hang on, hang on. I think it's time for this. Oh. Here's a letter from Caleb, who uh, wants to talk about bullshit films. He says, Dear Film Fandango, I am a middle-aged man who has had to endure several years of children films. I have been looking forward to my children getting to an age where they can enjoy more complex and imaginative films. My son, aged 12, selected Guy Ritchie's King Arthur from the DVD store. I know DVD store. I am poor. It is cheaper than subscribing in New Zealand. Now I am... Now, I am no highbrow critic and do not mind the odd bit of bullshit. I grew up enjoying Krull, Hawk the Slayer, and other such fantasy crap. Total crap, but the films had the films had a charm about them, and I went away drawing fantasy characters and building Lego worlds as a result. Guy Ritchie's Cockney Geezer King Arthur is a soulless mess of a film. Utter bollocks from start to finish. I was not expecting anything special, but what were they thinking? The lead actor... Charlie Hunnam's King Arthur is unlikable, charmless, and for some reason a sort of Marvel superhero. The villain of the piece, Jude Law, is about as charismatic as a used teabag in a bin who turns into a supervillain straight out of Avengers. Why does he have a career? Aidan Gillen tries to reprise his Game of Thrones role without the wit or intellect. Neil Maskell geezers up, geezers it up as Arthur's china plate. And there are pointless jujitsu ninja men who practice fighting all film and get their asses kicked at the first time they have a fight until Arthur goes into hyper mode, his awakening moment. The plot is a mess, and even a 12-year-old idiot boy thought it was totally dog shit. So here are my questions. How do such bullshit films get released when even a 12-year-old can see it is total and utter crap? Do they not preview them to humans? Is the industry made up of a load of yes-men and women who will employ the, t- and who will employ the twat uh, Richie again? What a missed opportunity. This could have been excellent, but is just awful. Clash of the Titans, the new shit one, and a Marvel superhero, pick the worst one you can think of, Love Child, without the intellect of either. Never, ever waste your eye juice on it. Watch Excalibur instead, cleverer, sexier, and just better. Uh, thank you. That's from Caleb. Um, well, yes, it's come... I've, I've noticed this King Arthur's come on streaming services recently. I only momentarily even contemplated watching it. Guy Ritchie, for me, he's a director with some style, but very little taste, as far as I can tell. I think Lockstock and Snatch are both the very well-directed films, whatever you think of the content. And actually, I, I enjoyed the first of the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmeses as well. Again, not a fantastic film, but certainly adeptly made. But Jude Law actually tends to be a bit of... I won't bother with this for me. And may, that may be unfair. But He's in um, a lot of Guy Ritchie films. He's a sort of talisman of... Is he? Isn't he quite a lot of his not, stuff? Oh, he's in Sherlock Holmes, but... I can't think of him being in the others. Well, there we go. That's true. I've uh, Jude Law. It's his voice. 
Yeah. I don't think he's ever been good in anything. He's Not just surviving on being good looking. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's good enough. You know, in the talented Mr. Ripley, he works because he's basically playing himself. Yeah. Um, but I've not really ever got the Jude Law thing. He he feels to me like he should have been uh, consigned to the nineties. But um, yeah, I won't see King Arthur. Not a chance. That's one with David Beckham in it as well. I yeah. think. Yeah, I've got no. I really hate all these laddie sort of fight. Welcome to the Punch. One of my worst. That, that yeah. sort of genre films. And this is sort of trying to make that sort of gangster thing into King Arthur. Poor King Arthur. All he wanted was to be remembered as the best king ever. And now this is coming on and made like a right dickhead. Caleb brings up Excalibur. Have you seen it? A long time ago. Incredible film. Absolutely incredible. I I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember it being um, uh, a favourite. Like, it's... um, but I was into all of that stuff. Um, like, uh, I w- remember watching the Sam Neill Merlin series as well. Oh, I'm yeah. really enjoying that. Um, so they blend in my mind a bit. But no, Excalibur, it's got um, Helen Mirren as uh, Morgana. And uh, let's have a look. I'm just trying to remember. Gabriel uh, Byrne is one of them. Uh, Liam Neeson is Gawain in it. What's the IMDb rating on it? 7.4. It's good. Uh I remember there's an incredible bit where a guy pulls... He's having a fevered dream, anxiety dream, and he wakes up and he's put his own sword through his leg. But he's he's naked having had sex, I think it's the Lancelot. And he pulls the sword out of his leg. And I remember as a kid not knowing how the hell they did that. It's like, you, you know when you're actually dazzled by special mm. effects, but something that simple. It's like, wow! Um, but no, it, well worth revisiting, I think. That's Patrick last Stewart's you, in it as well. You went to bed with a sword. That never again. That's a good way to put your children off trying to sleep with weapons. Yeah. Make them watch a film that is far too old for them and they won't quite understand and will feel weird around the sexual bits. It's uh, it's John Borman uh, who did Deliverance. Uh, oh no, he produced it. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Is that correct? Um... I'm trying to remember what John Borman did. He did do Deliverance, I'm right. And Zardoz, which I still haven't seen. No, oh, that's the Sean Connery one. Yeah, isn't yeah, the famous weird. weird sci-fi girdle. Yeah. Um, well, here's a letter. All right. This is from John Jordan. I'm out, David and Buddy. Love your work, etc., etc., etc. Et <laughs> try and say etc., etc., fast. Etc., etc., etc. Okay, you can do it. I get to the point, as I can't think of anything witty or Chris Webb related to say. Two unrelated questions. One, where do you draw the line at separating the person from the performance stroke product? Mm. My wife won't watch anything by Woody Allen. I feel uncomfortable watching anything with Mike Tyson in, but have no problem watching OJ and Naked Gun. I believe it's a personal choice with no right or wrong answer. That's a good question. A very good question. Well, should we answer that question first and go on to the second question? Sure. How do you feel about separating the person from the art? Well, I've not really been a big fan of Woody Allen anyway. Well, so you're, you've got no problem there, but you do love The Cosby Show. Oh, The Cosby <laughs> Show. It does completely change. I mean, that's one example where it totally changed everything in The Cosby Show. Yeah. It's really hard to watch it. But because he paints himself as such a sort of paragon of family values, that's why. Um, Oddly, I feel... OJ and the Naked Gun is so stupid 
and it happened before all the murders it doesn't really feel I uh, yeah like really feel that but, and it is like murdering it, however you know obviously wrong murdering somebody in a in a, a fit of domestic passion you know in terms of it's not like he's a systematic paedophile or anything it's like it's a horrific single act you know but I don't know it's different somehow Um, what about Roman Polanski this is getting in the whole uh, really murky area of paedophilia which is when is it different because he slept with a girl he thought was 16 she was 15 is that right was she not 13 I Maybe thought she was 15. 15. Well, we are grossly uninformed on these issues. To well, talk I mean, about anyone, I, I think it's weird people who, rock stars who start banging people who are literally 40 years their uh, juniors. Mm. And if you see, if you hear kids talking on the, I've been travelling quite a lot recently, I've been on the trains and heard teenagers talking. Even like the people who, they're 20 year olds, they they sound literally like children. oh she's th- she was 13 yeah right? that's what I thought it was yeah, I always thought she was 15 for, for me that's makes it a lot worse yeah I, think I mean but but the question was uh, you know would you still does that affect films? you when you watch their no because stuff? the thing is Polanski being a director makes it different because he's not really he's, he's not reminding them, you of his existence constantly whereas Woody Allen there's some sort of vanity about his films where he is always a central person in it. And, and he's always seducing beautiful women, so it is slightly uncomfortable, possibly. I've always found him uncomfortable, and I was not really surprised about... Um, yeah, it was supposed to be comedic, though, wasn't it? The idea that he could get all of these women. But Yeah, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mike Tyson is just a psychopath, I think. Yeah, and the... Him being the comedy character in The Hangover, I did find a bit uncomfortable. Um, it's all... It's a very difficult. I think it's just subjective, isn't it? Really. Exactly. I, but I would say if you do feel utterly uncomfortable watching these people's stuff anymore, that's fine. <laughs> that is entirely fine. Um, you know. Yeah, but I think if they're not on the screen, so if Woody Allen was not on the screen, you wouldn't. Feel, I wouldn't feel as bad about it. But I'm not, I've never been a fan of his stuff anyway. And his second question: Great comedic performances are are very rarely acknowledged or honoured. Which performances would you like to would you have liked to see nominated? It's a very good question, John. Um, Which comedy performances would you like to see nominated for what Oscars? Um, this isn't quite uh, related, but it was the Emmys uh, yeah. two weeks ago, wasn't it? And Louis Anderson, who is. Uh, a stand-up comedian uh, who portrays Zach Galifianakis's mum in the TV show Baskets is one of the most incredible performances I have seen in the last ten years. Oh, really? Yeah, and he didn't win. They gave it to Alec Baldwin for playing Trump, um, which is just you know a sketch show performance. But um, no, he. If you haven't watched it, watch Baskets and have a look at Louis Anders because he's absolutely brilliant. It's. You 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 totally forget you're watching a bloke like it's yeah. incredible, but in terms of movies, um, I think John Candy in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is brilliant. 
Do you get anything for that? I don't know. Steve Martin, I think, is incre- always incredible in all his films. I don't know, I think he ever got nominated for Oscars or any of that. Just com- it's, it's, it's really odd, though. Oh, Peter Sellers for, um, uh, well, some of the Pink Panther films, really. Just in terms of his ability and craft in both physical and... Did he get nominated for Doctor Strange, love? Because that is probably... Yes, I believe he did. One of the greatest ever... Uh, comedic performances yeah. I'm looking it up now as we talk nominated for three Oscars yes he was nominated for that and he was nominated for the in being there which is not necessarily a comedy no. film um, who are they John C. Riley is someone who I think is a brilliant actor yes in all of his comedy roles and he should have been um, I think the best supporting actor in quite a few Step Brothers <laughs> Step Brothers genuinely I would give awards to I think the on screen chemistry between the two of them and just they hit every single gag so well like it's it's one of the best comedies ever made I think yeah and I'm, I think I don't know if Jim Carrey got nominated for the Truman Show he might have done but, but it's because he's straying into drama that he starts to become uh, award worthy he he uh, got the golden globe for that but he didn't get nominated uh, what about eternal sunshine and for that he got uh, no- nominated for uh, an oscar uh, the golden globe right yeah i think it's very hard for comedians to uh, get nominated for their comedic performances they've got to serious up before they're allowed it's really odd I don't understand this why it's frowned upon when it's a lot more difficult than you know, some serious actors who don't actually move their faces at all well I think the mistake and it's often made by people in this country as well is to mistake uh, uh, taking something serious with being solemn about something um, you can take some your your craft very seriously while still having a sense of humour, whereas the the performance of "I am taking this seriously" means you immediately go to solemnity with mm. no sense of humour whatsoever, and and it's just a human thing, isn't it? It's annoying. Here's another one. Here's a letter. This is from Francis Jolly about film chat. says, hello again, hope you're well. I watched It recently and really enjoyed the remake. They actually spent time developing the characters and it stayed away from the usual quiet, quiet bang scares one can expect from modern horror. My question is, has a horror film ever made you cry? Wouldn't it be interesting if you, could actually, if you actually welled up when your favourite character was bludgeoned to death in the final scene? American Maid and Detroit are worth a watch. The latter will surely be up for an Oscar or two for its cast. Goodbye, boys. Fran Jolly. Has a horror film ever made you cry? I think American Wealth in London, the final scene, is very upsetting. It's quite sad, isn't it? it? But it does veer away from the horror genre at the end, doesn't it? Yeah. Um... I don't know if you'd ca- um, count A Monster Calls as horror or not. No. It's But it certainly evokes the horror tropes. Yeah. You know, in the early days, the, the monster is terrorising the boy in some regard. Um, I think Carrie made me feel quite sad. I haven't seen him for such a long time. Yeah. I'd like to see that again, see if I start... As I get older, I cry more. I think... Um, so I get to a point when I'm in my 80s I just cry as soon as I put the TV on constantly well it'll be holograms but then when it'll be holograms or something injected straight into my mind 
instantly just sitting in a wheelchair just crying while films were injected into my mind and you experience them from all perspectives and all angles instantaneously oh horrible yeah you just suddenly understand a string of events instantly yeah there's no time there's no time it's just boom and they supplant all my memories so I can't tell so when you binge watch a TV show it it literally is just a larger syringe yeah (laughs) that was the best um, anyway, we're getting quite short on letters. Yeah, so if you'd like to write to us, then go to filmfandango.com and fill out the form there. We'll get your letter and read it out in the programme. Just ask us a question or share a film you've seen recently. If you've uh, watched something on a whim or you've got an old favourite, then share it with us and we'll share it with everybody else. Filmfandango.com is the place to go. Uh, now, I've seen a film as well, Marek. Oh, hello. Hello there. I've seen a film on Netflix. Um now as uh, I do browsing around the place you know uh, this is down as a Netflix original which means Netflix will have bought it this is a film by Eli Craig who you may recognise the name of because he is the director and writer of Tucker and Dale vs Evil that we talked about before which is a very good film it's a very good film. It's a it's a comedy sort of piss take of the cabin in the woods slasher genre. Now this one is his new one called Little Evil, and it stars Evangelina Lilly and Adam Scott, Sally Field and Clancy Brown, and Clancy Brown. I bloody love Clancy Brown. It's great in everything. Yeah. Um, this is basically a The Omen piss take. So it's a comedy version where what would it be like to be the stepfather of Damien from The Omen, basically. Okay. So he's taken a, a well-known horror, not genre, but trope, and uh, and added basically rom-com into it. Um, so all of all of the elements are there for this to be good. I mean, I think Adam Scott's good. Um, I, I love, can't but, stand him. Can you not? What have you really seen him weird. in? I've just seen, uh, every time I see him, he really gives me the creeps. Really, I find him really unlikable. And yeah, Mitty, I've seen him in in. Uh, what's f- He's in Step Brothers. Yeah, I've seen him in a few things, and I really dislike him for no apparent reason. Yeah. Well, you probably wouldn't enjoy this then. Um, basically, it it makes a real layman's error I'm afraid early on in that it does that thing and it's it seems to me like it's a decision from in, from the edit suite of panicking and, and changing what you had planned but it starts uh, with sort of pre-titles with an exciting scene from about two thirds of the way through and so you kind of it's supposed to whet your appetite and then you go through the film and you get back to that point now understanding what it all meant and then the film concludes and carries on um, so it starts with him being dug up as he's been buried alive by his uh, stepson and he says I want a divorce and you know there's thunder and lightning and blah 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 and then it cuts the titles and then we cut back to you know whatever two months earlier or whatever but then the first third to a half of the film is him wondering whether her son is actually evil or whether he's just you know a kid who needs a father figure and he needs to try and understand him and blah 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 but we all know he's tried to bury him alive Um, so so it's just boring Uh, for the first half of the film it's just tedious and there's a lot of 
comedy performances that are just a bit charmless. Um, there's an actress called Bridget Everett who is playing uh, a man, or, or certainly everyone refers to her as a man. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to do that Melissa McCarthy thing of being really in your face, sort of overly familiar, slobbing around, kind of fast talking, drinking. And she just, to me, just isn't very likable. Oh. And Adam Scott, again, is not quite likable enough to carry this either. What about Sally Field and Clancy Brown? I mean, as always, brilliant, you know, really good. But their parts are relatively small in this. Clancy Brown plays a, a preacher who's buying up uh, a disused nunnery. And uh, Sally Field is um, someone from Child Services. Uh, it's got... A couple of faces you'll recognise from American comedy shows as well, playing the best friends. So one of them is Turk from Scrubs. Another one is in... Uh, oh, yes. You know. Uh, but they it all feels a bit like made-for-TV. It does cheer up in the final third when it actually sort of finds itself and drives forward a bit and does things you weren't expecting. But for the first half of this film, it's all a bit... Uh, he's not sure if the kid's really evil or whether it's just coincidences that the clown set on fire and that maybe he's just being a bad stepdad and he should step up to that. And is the kid good? The kid's basically the kid's fine. I just mean, a parody. They've of... just made him st- be silent and stare at things. You know, well, like doing the real... these sort of evil eyebrows. Like... The omen. Yeah, exactly. Copy of that. Exactly. It's nowhere near as. Uh, Charming, or it is, or is in any way unique, like Tucker and Dale versus Evil is. In fact, it doesn't quite. Is it as good as that one about the Morgans? Oh, what's it called? Um, no more, Mister Morgan. No, can you remember it? Um, <laughs> uh, did you hear about the Morgans? Yes, I've started to remember it now. Why are you putting that in my head? It's useless knowledge. Um, basically. It feels like there's a disconnect between uh, the writer, director, and the actors until the guy who played Dale in Tucker and Dale versus Evil shows up for a cameo, and it suddenly sort of ratchets up a notch, uh. so it starts to make sense a bit more. And you go, "Oh, I'm actually, am I maybe enjoying this?" But it, it's got such a glacial pace up to that point. It's a real shame because I was really looking forward so to. Is it comedy then? Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a parody of. Horror, basically, but in the same way Tucker and Dale was, you know. It's but got pretty average reviews. The thing Tucker and Dale was and had in Spades was charming, like. Um, it's because the two leads were really good. Weren't absolutely, they? that's it. Alan Tudyk, wasn't it? It's Alan Tudyk, and is his name Tyler Labine? Uh, who, yeah, he plays Dale, and the two of them together were absolutely fantastic. And you just spent time watching them and watched them muddle through everything. This feels too much like it's copying from sitcom, and so it just ends up being very sort of light and floaty and a bit meandering and slightly dull. What a shit! No, it's a shame. It's it's a mediocre film. It's not a bad one. It's a mediocre one. Uh, but um, I worry that Netflix. Now, because I've seen a few of these Netflix originals, mm. and they've pretty much been rubbish. Well, we've talked about the Netflix originals brand being them offering yeah. people money to just put the Netflix uh, logo over the top of their poster, and to have exclusivity to distribution. So, I- so actually what it is, is people go to Netflix when they worry this film won't make any money in the cinema. 
So actually, Netflix are getting cinemas uh, sloppy seconds. You know. Yeah, like, I mean, you know. I, when I go on Netflix, I automatically if if I see that Netflix sign above them, I avoid them. Really, they're not all bad though, because. Um, uh, well, the classic example, which is amazing, which I don't think I've reviewed on oh, here, right. but I've seen, is Beast of No Nation. No, you haven't talked about that. So that is the Idris Elba um, film about the uh, war in uh, the sort of um, civil war in, in the uh, in the Congo. Oh, I can't remember in or Liberia. Sorry, Sierra Leone, or I don't even know where it is. Somewhere, <laughs> <laughs> but it's about sort of child. Uh, Children being forced to fight for uh, these uh, sort of factions of just uh, uh, in the civil war, right? And it's very graphic. It's all sort of platoon esque, but we're but really sort of uh, visceral. And it's good. Yeah, it's great. We really, could discuss really it next week, in fact, if you... Well, at some point, but I think you should, well, that's one that is... Uh... Well, I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Equally, I thought, was excellent. and But quite rightly, wouldn't have done well in the cinema because it's a bit odd. Um, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So, you know, they can, they can get good ones, but also sometimes it's famous faces, but a slightly duff film is also what they buy. But we would have never heard of these films before because they would have been yeah. straight to video. Yeah. As only, only when you're about... 12 or 13 when you had to, there's only one good film released every month yep. you end up watching these shit films yeah. at your blockbuster or your local spa yeah well I would give I'd probably give uh, Little Evil 5 um, I'm going to watch it like, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the end um, and it started to get interesting um, around the middle when uh, well spoilers but when he's deciding whether or not he should murder his own son <laughs> He's just going, ah, this is no longer normal rom-com. That's good. But the first half is just, they didn't need it. Didn't need any of it. Been it. Been it. Um, Well, that's it for us, I think, this week. Um, As I've already said many times this episode, but may as well say it again, if you'd like to write to us, go to filmfandango.com. Also, we do all of this for free, so if you'd like to donate towards our running costs... Again, go to filmfandango.com and click the donate button. And everyone who has, thank you very thank much. Thank you very much. And um, we'll be back next week with yet more films. But in the meantime, keep, keep watching, watching the, the films. films. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. 